Hey, it's Ian Altman. Our guest this week is Dan Russell, the CEO and head strategist at Vivid Labs. Dan and his team take a modern approach to marketing where they combine neuroscience, traditional direct response strategies, and the scientific method to build marketing campaigns that really tend to excel and thrive compared to traditional approaches. We're going to talk about the biggest mistake when it comes to marketing, how concepts have pivoted from the old in-your-face marketing to a more engagement-based approach, and how you can use testing and the scientific method to get better results in your endeavors. You're going to learn a ton from Dan Russell. Dan Russell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. Excellent. So before we dive into your brilliance, can you share with us something surprising about you that people may not know? The one thing that people typically find surprising is the amount of time I've I've spent on personal development, personal growth stuff. I'm a really big nerd when it comes to uh, diving into mindset and and you know even like some of the, the woo-woo stuff, which catches people off guard because I'm more of like the scientific-minded guy who talks about the research all the time. So when they when they find out that I'm I'm really interested in this this you know stuff called personal development and and you know making sure that that there's there's balance and all that stuff they they're a little bit caught off guard <laughs> yeah so so you'll spend time talking about flow not necessarily looking at the science behind it but right. how do you get into flow theoretically <laughs> well I, I mean now that you mentioned the science I'm thinking of Stephen Kotler's uh, uh, book that was uh, Rise of Superman all about flow and that's what I typically think about but you know from an aesthetic standpoint the way that I get into flow is through routines like my morning routine is is really focused on just getting my mind right and and then when I sit down in front of the computer or I sit down in front of of uh you know a notepad to start writing and get get creative I know that every like all the boxes have been checked to just get me in the state of creativity and productivity that I need to be in, and the flow just comes out of that. It's a repetition. It's a it's a you know way for for our for for my my brain at least to just hook into the the flow of the moment. Is the, the yeah. just productivity? You know, moving from one project to the next, just sure. being singularly focused on something. Sure. It's, I, I think I'm always disappointing to hosts when I'm on their podcast and they say, well, so, so with the success you've achieved and you grew, you grew your own business to over a billion dollars in value. So, so what's your morning routine? And, and I never had one. I feel like, man, if I had one, maybe I really would have done something significant, but, um, well, I think we all have our own routines, you know, like in, in our own little ways, it doesn't have to be a morning routine. It could be just like, you know, having a glass of wine, as a, as a way to wind down, like that gets you ready for bed or, you know, whatever yeah. that might be. I don't think I have any, but I'm sure I do. I'm just not aware of them. And someday I'll discover it and I'll call you up and be like, hey, Dan, I found, I figured it out. Yeah. yeah it turns I out it. I always put my left shoe on before my right shoe. Oh, really? That's great. <laughs> and, that, and that'll be the secret. They'll be teaching that in business school. Always right. put your left shoe on first. Exactly. This is the key. This is the key. doesn't matter if they're lace-ups or loafers. Always go left first. So Right. Um, <laughs> The the um, the reason I wanted to have you on was talk about more of the area of expertise that you have when it comes to how you approach marketing. And before we dive into that, what's the biggest mistake that you see that businesses make when it comes to marketing today? They put all their eggs in one basket. 
the 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 typical approach to a marketing project these days is especially in the case of a product launch is let's let's spend a ton of time you know working on building the perfect system and then bet the whole ranch on you know a couple emails or you know a, a, the span of a week to to determine the success or the viability of this campaign and that's one of the reasons that I do what I do is to avoid that that concentration of risk because there could be an amazing campaign behind you know some some new strategy that a company has come up with but if it doesn't have the proper amount of testing uh, like pre-market testing or optimization then it'll never develop properly so I think the biggest mistake is just launching something too late and not giving it enough room to breathe yeah now you're not suggesting that people just you know, the alternative to building a perfect system is just winging it. I know no, that's not your no. suggestion. So so what's what's the alternative? And and kind of what I want you to get into is how have people traditionally thought about marketing versus how are you approaching it differently? So the the thing that that we really focus on, the thing that separates the the that traditional high risk me- method I guess you could call it with what we're doing is is rapid iteration. When I was when I was initially building the agency and and developing these sorts of of testing methodologies and research backed copywriting templates and neuroscience informed you know page design, the the biggest challenge that that we were facing was how to incorporate all of this into you know one campaign basically so i started looking at the development world some of my background is in coding and in in managing coding teams and they have something called the agile framework which some sure. of your listeners might be familiar with and the whole you know modus operandi behind the agile framework is rapid iteration rather than the waterfall method which is you know let's spend a ton of time planning building releasing and then you know only iterate after the whole thing has been you know has has been perfect rather than doing that we focus on the direct path to sale we make sure that that is beautiful and and it's you know properly tested and it's functioning perfectly but we don't worry about the frills you know, uh, around around the edges, we only add the frills in and bolt on additional systems to you know a sales sequence, for example, after the original sequence is working, and that lowers upfront investment. It, it increase you know increases turnaround times. It reduces risk. It you know reduces the amount of anxiety that everybody's feeling around a particular campaign. Yep. So give us an example of kind of a before and after, kind of how people might have approached a very specific campaign. Versus how maybe they should be doing it differently and why. So a good example would be an. Uh, let's talk about an event. If you're hosting an event, we had a client that has a consulting business and they teach other businesses how to run a particular uh, type of business in the healthcare industry. And they had this brand new brand that it was a completely new new company. Although they had been doing this for years, they'd put a new label on it and, and wanted to you know, have something that was a little bit more professional and more scalable. So what we were doing is, was to really early on release the sales page, the emails, the ads to a pilot audience and get some initial baseline data out, you know, so that we can iterate from. And we dedicated 
a period of months to actually make sure that those were working before we did the full launch. And our vivid method at the at the agency is structured along the the lines of the development world. So we have alpha testing, beta testing, and then we've got a full launch. So once we enter an alpha stage, we're just testing like the entry points to the funnel, the the initial sales conversion points, and and then we sequentially unlock additional parts of the funnel or the sales system in order to get some some more data and and to and to push people further down the funnel but we isolate individual parts of that sales page for the event in this case so that we can see how far people are scrolling down we can see what the conversion rate of the button is on the page we can see how many people are actually con- completing a purchase and then there's upsells and all sorts of things after that conversion but for a lot of businesses having you know 17 different upsells cross sells downsells is a part of their their marketing funnel if you do it right out of the gate you get overwhelmed and you don't know what to test first so you get you just end up not paying attention to most of it and you have this giant beautiful system that was built but never tested sure so we have that whole marketing campaign for the event was built around rapid iteration, direct path to sale. So, so the idea is getting getting that feedback so that the idea that everyone in the room is convinced is a great idea, I'm guessing it's got to be a challenge because there there have to be times where eight people sit around a table and say, oh, this idea is going to kill. It's going to be awesome. And then you test it and the 50 people or the 500 people, whatever, in the test group don't react to it the way you thought right. they would. And everyone goes – well, those people must be crazy <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> instead of realizing, well, maybe just possibly our campaign missed the mark. Right. Yeah. And, and that the avoiding that comes down to managing expectations. When I start a conversation out when, with regards to setting up a new campaign for one of our clients, the whole conversation is is predicated on us using this scientific method process of having a hypothesis and an experiment and we come back with observations and findings. And, and, and when you approach a campaign with that mindset, we're not, you don't have an emotional connection to a particular headline or you don't have, have a, you know, all this baggage that you're bringing from previous campaigns. You allow yourself a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of space, a little bit of perspective on what objectively is going to work. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. One of one of the concepts that I work with clients on is uh, we we talk about them describing what my buddy Bob London calls as their elevator rant, meaning what do your compliance complain about that you're good at solving? And so I always tell people, look, so once you develop what you think are the five or six just killer descriptions of the problems you solve, socialize them with your clients and be prepared that your existing clients, you might find out that none of them likes your favorite one. Right. And and it's okay because you can still, if you want to, share that one with yourself and just nobody else. Because if they don't seem to care about it and your sample size is significant enough, then just you know, put that on the shelf. It's kind of like when, when I deliver right. keynotes, the funny part is there are pieces of each keynote that I tell that are candidly for me. Cause I know it's like, well, here's a line that the audience doesn't love, but I still do. 
So occasionally, <laughs> occasionally those sneak in there because I still like that joke. Right, right, and you and you can do that because that's part of your your personal brand, and it lights you up and it gives you more energy. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and in a marketing standpoint, if you're going to market, maybe it doesn't make the most sense doing it that way. No, it doesn't because when you have a when you have a marketing campaign, the whole purpose of the marketing campaign is to build your brand and generate sales. Like you, that, that is how the success of a marketing campaign is determined. So if you have this amazing headline that you woke up you know, within your head at 2 a.m. and you scribbled it down on a notepad and you couldn't wait to get it to the copywriters in the morning or your marketing head in the morning, and then they look at you and they're like, no, that, that actually sucks, <laughs> then you, you – if you're in that situation, then you've got this emotional attachment to something that hasn't been tested. It might feel good to you because you're in the weeds and you're you're in this company every day and some of the language that you're using could be, you know, predicated on on just industry knowledge and you're not seeing the bigger picture which is there are headlines that will work and there are headlines that will not work. There are page designs that will work and page designs that won't work. There are sales scripts that will work and sales scripts that won't work. And the only way to know which ones work and which ones don't is to try it and test it and go out there and see what the numbers actually come back with. Because if you don't, then you're just you're, – you're hoping for marketing success. Yep. And you might, you might hit the jackpot once. It's rare, but it happens. But then when you try to replicate success, because those people who just had a one-hit wonder didn't do their research to begin with, they can't do it. They can't replicate. Sure. And, and Dan, let me, let me um, ask you this. For our audience, if, if, they've, if they've done campaigns in the past and now they say, okay, gee, Dan, you got me on this. We've been kind of winging it before. What are two or three steps they should take today that will make their future campaigns better? Look at the, the most successful campaign that you've run and choose some of the key marketing assets that, that you believe were behind its success. This could be the copywriting. It could be the design. It could be the process. And then create one or two variants from that. Make a couple, make, make a couple of different versions of it, each which has a single change to the original. And put all of those out there, test them, whatever that means for you. If it's, if it's, if you're changing up a sales script, then, you know, assign a, you know, certain script to a group of salespeople and another script to the next group of salespeople. If it's a page on your website, then just try flipping around the headline a little bit and trying a different approach using different language. You can also test the audiences that you're going after. If you've got one main audience profile, try drilling down into that and then and, and creating your marketing assets around their individual pains. Or try going after entirely different audiences. The idea here is that you take this, you have you find a starting point where you've had a successful campaign, you know that it works, and you want to improve it. And that's the whole premise behind conversion rate optimization. You have a control in your experiment and you have variants. And you want to see how they all perform next to each other with the same inputs. Got so it. that's, the, that's the, the, one, the one thing that I would recommend doing is just find your most successful campaign and test different versions of it and see which one wins. And in each case, change one thing. Don't change 20 things. 
No, definitely do not change 20 things. If you want to learn how companies go from 20% to 90% of their team hitting their numbers, or how companies grew from 17 million to over 100 million in three years, then get your pre-order copy of Same Side Selling. In fact, if you go to samesideselling.com, you can see a number of bundles that will get you a bunch of bonuses if you pre-order right now. Just go to samesideselling.com to learn more. No, definitely do not change 20 things. The The reason being is that once you get into multivariate testing, that's that's what that's called, you have to have a lot of different algorithms running and, and to, to, to take all of those changes into account. And you don't know, like if you, if you have a control page and then a variant page with a different headline and a different video, and that page happens to win, you don't know if it was the video or the headline that did it. Of course. So you don't know what to do next. You don't, you, you actually have no idea what happened <laughs> and you're back to square one. Of course. Are, are there, are there certain things that you're seeing from a neuroscience standpoint or anything else where you say, gee, certain types of headlines perform better than others in, in a B2B space or certain terminology or certain phrases or, yeah, when people include or exclude this thing, it tends to move the needle the most. Are there patterns that you start to see? Yeah, the, the, there's one overarching pattern that we've been finding, which is a question. A question form of a headline will pull people in more than on average more than a statement and the the reason that that's true is because you are implicitly pulling a response out of the person who's reading or or listening so if i were to say you know do you have uh, flat feet you know on on a you know, headline it's just a, a random yeah. example here there's an implicit yes or no that that is that is is received or, or given from the reader because they know the answer to the question they think about it and so that starts a, a mental conversation of sorts so i would recommend if you if if the listeners of this episode have headlines as part of your marketing content marketing assets try flipping it around and try using questions as a way to capture people's attention and start that conversation a little bit more uh, deeply, because that'll that'll just increase engagement, increase momentum through the the lead generation or the sales process. Yeah, it's it's and, interesting. We we found that I mean, I've written hundreds and hundreds of articles in Inc. and Forbes, and there's two things that we learned. One, can, similar to what you found, is that questions often engage people, and then the second thing that's the most surprising in Inc you actually always have to provide an A and a B headline in the A B test every single headline across the first and right. through what it is, 200 or 500 or something like that. Because they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and and to, to hit those. And I can't tell you how often we would have an A and a B and we would say, well, the B is a dog. So like, it's definitely going to be A. Oh, yeah. And not only would B win, but it would be like, you know, 84 to 16. You're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Like the one that we thought for sure was awful ended up winning. Or there's there are times where I've put out content and I think no one's going to listen to this or watch it and it ends up being wildly successful. And similarly, we come up with stuff that, oh, this is going to capture everyone's attention and no one cares. It happens all the time. It, it happens literally all the time. We will have 
we will have uh, briefings put together for an ad campaign. And uh, when the, the client takes a look, they see, you know, 10 different variants of, of headlines for the ad campaign. And they'll pull out like two or three and be like, no, nah, that, that doesn't really I, I don't know why this is all capitals. I don't know, you know, why why it's phrased this way. Why are you using this sort of word or, or whatever the case may be, because they have this emotional connection to it. But we always come back and say, just test it because it could be the winner. You never know until you test it. Yeah, unless you're saying something that is, you know, false or misleading, and it's a different story. Oh, of course, but if it's just different right. different phraseology. Um, that makes perfect sense. So, hey Dan, what's the best way for people to connect with you and learn more about what you guys are doing? So we are at thevividlab.com, and uh, we're publishing all sorts of experiments and, and strategies all the time, so definitely check those out. Uh, we are essentially a, a plot, changing the, the conversation from the traditional uh, ADA model, attention, interest, decision, action, that if you've ever seen the Glengarry, Glen Ross movie with uh, Alec Baldwin, like that sort of you know hardcore sales stuff that was very popular in the 60s, we're changing that paradigm to a more neuroscience, behavioral economics uh, informed approach, which is all centered around the new ingredients of marketing messaging, which is attention, emotion, desirability, and memorability. So all the stuff that we're publishing is centered around that. So you guys can check it out on the website and uh, and, and engage on, on Facebook. We're all over the place. Excellent. All right, Dan. Hey, man, thanks for sharing all your wisdom. For sure. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. Remember, don't take the all-eggs-in-one-basket approach. You're never going to build the perfect system and launch it. Instead, take the more scientific approach with A-B testing. So test with a pilot group, adjust, test again, and then eventually launch when you know you've got the right messaging. I love this other idea of take and evaluate your most successful campaign and then build variants with that where you change one single item. So maybe you just change the audience focus or maybe you change the order of the words and that'll give you better insight. Remember, this show gets its direction from you, the listener. If there's a guest you think I should have on or a topic you'd like me to cover, drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, especially your customer.